Hello! Welcome to the Title Penning Podcast. I am your host, This, and every week, and my name is Willow! I say every week, and I took last week off. I apologize for that. I had some family stuff, um, stuff that, you know, happens in life, and I didn't really feel the need to share it with everybody. So, took last week off, but I'm here, and I'm back, and I feel wonderful. Well, that's not true, but... I hope everybody is having a wonderful weekend, a wonderful day off, in my case, on Monday. I got my smoothie. You can't hear me. I mean, you can't see me. You can hear me, hopefully. Um, But I have a smoothie. I have a camera now. Not using it, because I look like shit. But I'm going to start uploading them to YouTube again when I figure that out. It's a webcam. It's it's nice quality though. 1080p. So uh, feel free to count the pores on my face when I start using it. So I had a few topics in mind for today. I wanted to, to address the new season of sex education. I was going to do it with Max, but um, something came up. We're both very busy people. We both have shit going on. So I'm going to do it myself for now. Maybe we'll do a revisit when uh, I finally see him again. But I... Wow, that that show is so good. I'm amazed. So, as you guys probably know by now, I, I look into TV shows quite a bit. I study them, I analyze them, and I really, really enjoy them. My favorite show of all time is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and that whole show is a metaphor for growing up and, you know, the problems you face as an adolescent. And as someone who was watching it as an adolescent, um, hi David. David's meowing in the background. I don't know if you can hear him, but I can. Yeah, it's definitely picking up in the mic. Um, (laughs) he's crying. I don't know why. But, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer watching it as someone who was about the same age as Buffy was... You know, I, I connected a lot with it. A few other shows I really, really liked and really liked the message of were um, Gilmore Girls, Euphoria, and now Netflix original Sex Education. Um, sex Education, for those of you who don't know or don't watch or whatever, is about this kid. It takes place in the UK. I'm not sure where. Um, it's about this kid whose mother is a sex therapist Um, giving advice on different sexual problems, different relationship issues, you know, trying to understand the roots of the problem. Um, His name is Otis. He takes his mother's, you know, profession, basically, and um, starts charging people at school for sex advice. Um, He's a virgin and has never had sex in his life, Um, has never, you know, really been with anybody, never had a relationship, um, and he gives people sex advice for money. Now, I know this sounds like nothing, but it's so important the more you watch it, the more you realize how shitty public schools, like, fucking, like, health education is. The second season revolves around, you know, trying to change that, but also, like, trying to remain a prestigious upscale school um in the eyes of like their their fucking who's above the dean i forget what she's called chairman i believe um anyway so a lot of it has to do with 
you know, educating teens on proper sexual protection and, you know, just general knowledge and all that other stuff. And I feel like, especially now, when, um, like, health education, sex education in schools, and apparently not just in America, but, like, in other places, is just so bad. When I was in school, a lot of sex education was anatomical. It wasn't, like, addressing protection or, you know, LGBT sex or, you know, what to do if you have an STD. It was just basically, this is a penis, this is a vagina, the penis goes into the vagina and that is intercourse. Like, that was it. There was no, I mean, until maybe my freshman year of high school, which I took health for a semester because it was required, we talked about condoms for maybe a day, um, dental dams, which I appreciated because, um, you know, it's, it's incredible how lacking it is when it comes to, like, female protection. Like, birth control is rarely ever mentioned because it's frowned upon, and a lot of it is just abstinence only, which, um, I don't agree with. I never have, and, um, you know, to watch this show where they're talking about sex and having sex, because obviously teenagers are having sex, um, they address the important parts of, like, protection and, you know, you can't catch chlamydia of the nose. Like, it's just fucking, it's a sexually transmitted disease. You can't catch it from the air. Like, these are things that people don't know. And it's wild to me that it's still okay to, like, teach people, like, nothing when it comes to sex. And then get mad at teens when they get pregnant or when they're having sex and they get an STD or, you know, something, like, that is totally 100% pre preventable, excuse me, but isn't prevented because of how fucking horrible the education system is. It's just wild to me. In conclusion, watch Sex Education for 100%. And I wanted to, like, move into that direction. Because, like, especially now, um, in the year 2020, um sex is everywhere, um, and not in just mass media. Like, I know it's in movies, it's in TV shows, it's in music, it's in all that stuff that's still happening, and that's fine. But people, like, normal people, without media, like, traditional media, they're talking about sex. Sex is fucking everywhere. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you guys know I'm very... I don't want to say active, but I participate in, you know, a lot of modern day ways of talking about sex. Um, everybody talks about it on Twitter. I follow a lot of people who participate in sex work. And, you know, everybody's everybody has an OnlyFans now. Um, for those of you who don't know what OnlyFans is, it is a website where subscribers pay every month to see your content, and the content is usually not safe for work, 18 plus, videos, pictures, stuff like that. I personally have an OnlyFans, we're not going to talk about it. But everybody is talking about it. Everybody has sex all the time, and that's fine. I just want it to be acceptable. And it is, for the most part, among, like, people my age. I'm 19 years old, people, you know, in their 20s and everything like that are like, oh, sex is fine, sex is normal, sex is fun, like, and that's awesome, because it's, it's 100% true, 
and I think that we're finally getting the hang of it, but older people still are so uncomfortable with the idea of sex. And it's wild to me, because y'all had sex to have us. Why are you uncomfortable with it? Like, what- why are you ashamed? Sex is not something to be ashamed of, is basically my point of this whole thing. Sex is natural. It is fun. It is, you know, something that people like to do. So why is it that older people, once they've had sex that one time to make their child when they're married or whatever, why do they look at sex as something shameful? I don't know. I have tried my best to understand why. Um, and it's probably just the way they were raised, you know, we're being raised very differently. Um, and I know that older people are trying to get their kids to be ashamed of sex, and I'm grateful that that's not sticking anymore, because it's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, the world's dying anyway, and we don't really need sex, because we're not making any more kids, and the people who are making kids are crazy, because they're not gonna live past the age of five, but... Sorry, was that too dark? It might have been. Um... <laughs> But people our age now are having sex for fun as opposed to sex to recreate. Recreate? Procreate. Excuse me. <laughs> um, and it's just something that the older generations just don't understand because they had sex to make children. Um, and I'm not talking about, like, my parents, but, like, maybe my grandparents or, like, in between those two generations. People just see sex as necessary. And it's not necessary you don't have to have sex. I say sex a lot in this podcast. Um, I, I don't know. Sex is fun and sexuality is something to embrace, I think. You know, a lot of the people I follow, a lot of the dudes I follow actually are very, very sexually comfortable, very comfortable in their masculinity, which I greatly, greatly admire because, you know, older men just feel like, oh, I need to put my dick in something and that's it. And... I will never have anything up my butt. Like, even straight men want something up their butt sometimes. Like, it's nothing- there's literally nothing wrong with it. And the fact that we see it- I'm not saying we, as in people listening, because I'm sure y'all are overly comfortable with your bodies and your sex and whatever the fuck you're doing. Um, but as- as a society, we live in a society- I fucking hate that- no. No. Not even gonna finish that sentence. Um, but in the world we live in, men see sex as a power struggle. This is coming from someone who hasn't really had a lot of sex, by the way. This is just my observation. I'm not well-versed in any of it, and I would love to talk to someone who is. Um, so if anybody out there, you know, my fellow sex therapists, my sex workers, my Twitter friends who, you know, feel like listening to this, if y'all want to, like have some input. I'll read your comments next week. Like, I need- I need a follow-up. I need someone who's experienced the world a little bit more than I have to weigh in on this. But as of right now, I'm going off of my own observation. So that was my disclaimer. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Men see sex, older men especially, I don't say like old old men, but like adult men, adult straight men, See sex as a power struggle. See it as a way to assert themselves as masculine, as, you know, sexy, as, like, 
fucking dominant or, you know, aggressive sometimes, which I never understood. Um, and I'm seeing that kind of fade out a little bit in the world of, you know, sexuality. A lot of the, the people I talk to, a lot of the boys I talk to, a lot of the men I talk to are very comfortable in their sexuality. They know who they are. They know, you know, what they like. And they realize that there's nothing wrong with it. Like, absolutely. Like, we talked to Dan a few weeks ago, for example. And I can use this example because he's very public about it. Um, Dan was on my podcast a few weeks ago. And he jokingly talks about getting pegged. Even if it is a joke, which... I'm not sure it is. Uh, even if it is a joke, it's a joke he can make and still be comfortable. And I like that. I admire that. Because a lot of, you know, that whole joke of, like, men saying no homo after, like, oh, dude, I like your shirt, no homo, or your shoes are sick, no homo, or, like, your hair looks good today, no homo. Like, the fact that you have to preface everything that comes out of your mouth that you're about to say to someone else, especially another man, having to be disclaimed with no homo sucks the fact that you see yourself complimenting another man as gay that's just that's rough for you and i'm sorry and i feel as though that's kind of dying out and that no homo is used more satirically but ooh, hello throat jesus Overall, the point I'm trying to make is that sex should not be the assertion of masculinity. I feel like that gets dangerous. As a woman <laughs> um, who lives in a world where men are horrible, um, it's scary to get in into bed with a man and, you know, have him take himself too seriously or, you know, be too macho man or tough guy or like try to be manly I guess is what I'm trying to say or like dominant like it's not always necessary some people are into that and that's totally fine I'm not shaming anybody's sexual preference that way but the fact that men feel pressure to be manly in such a vulnerable place in the first place is just it's it's upsetting because we were raised to be like oh men are masculine always and women are feminine always and we can get into the other half of that in just a second but like now I've noticed that a lot of guys are like you know very comfortable in their sexuality very okay with being vulnerable being submissive and it not just being like a a kink thing because like when people when men are seen as like vulnerable or sensitive or anything like that in bed it's usually seen as, like, oh, he's into it. Like, he's into being submissive. Like, and that's fine, too. I'm not saying that's wrong. But it doesn't always have to be that. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't always have to be a kink. It doesn't always have to be scripted. It doesn't, it, you know, you can just be comfortable with the person you're with. And you can be, like, gentle and nice and not fucking, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you type like, no one's ever said that to me, but, and moving on to that other side of the spectrum, women and sex is a whole, whole thing, and I could talk for hours about it, but in basic, in basic sentences, I guess, women should be 
whatever they want to be in bed, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Women do not need to just lie there and take it, first of all, because that sucks and that's bad and it feels gross and I don't like it. Um, but they, they can be strong. They can be dominant. They can be, you know, fucking beautiful all the time. I love women. Anyway, women don't have to be the submissive one in bed either, going along with men don't have to be the dominant ones in the bedroom. Women don't have to be the submissive ones. I personally am more submissive. I, not on purpose, I just like being taken care of. I am very baby. I am baby. Um, but a lot of women aren't baby, and that's totally fine, because women like to be dominant too. They like to feel powerful. They like to, you know, have that sexual control over their partners, and I love that because I'm also attracted to women who are like that because, oh my god, <laughs> I'm a bottom, basically. Please, some beautiful woman taught me. Thank you and good night. Um, <laughs> I have family that listens to this podcast. <laughs> um, but the fact that women need, they don't need to, they don't need to be dominant, but like, a lot of women feel the need to be that way as a form of protection from their partners, mostly men, because men are scary and they feel as though this power that they have in this situation is like armor. Um, but in other senses, it's just, you know, they like to be more assertive. They don't like to be coddled. They don't like to lie there and take it. I don't like to lie there and take it either. That's just boring. That's lazy. Don't do that. <laughs> That's just bad sex. Um, but basically the point of this whole spiel is that you can be whatever you want as long as you're comfortable with the person you're with. Um, in Sex Education, the TV show really taught this generation, I feel, a lot about the importance of sex education. Hence the name of the show being so fitting. Um, that was, that was basically all I really wanted to say about all of this. So I'm gonna move topics because if I talk more about it, I'm gonna say something wrong. And again, like I said, I'm not educated on this topic the way that other people are, other people that I talk to are. So if anyone who has had more experience with this, um, you know, I've, I've sold nudes before. I, I have an OnlyFans. I am very sexual. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm very comfortable with myself. Um, but again, I am very new to it. I am very, you know, low on the totem pole of sex work and, you know, education of sex work. So if anybody has more experience and wants to talk about it, you know, feel free to private message me or, you know, email me or something. Um, and I'd love to talk to you about it and maybe, maybe do something, maybe, maybe collaborate. That would be fun. Um, so I'm gonna quickly shift topics because something else I wanted to talk about that I wasn't planning on talking about in this particular podcast, but again, I skipped a week, so I'm gonna do two and one before it's, I'm not gonna say it's not relevant anymore because this, this is always gonna be relevant to me. Um, Hayley Williams' new song <laughs> dropped a few days ago. It dropped on the 22nd. It's called Simmer and she is going by Petals for Armor, which I'm not sure if that's the album or like her her stage name if you will because on Spotify it just says Simmer by Haley Williams. So I'm not sure. 
But oh my god. <laughs> I have never felt so proud of this woman. And I have felt proud of this woman my whole life. Haley Williams and Paramore have been a big part of my life and everyone who knows me even a little bit knows this. I have Haley Williams tattooed on my arm. Like, it's, it's inescapable. This is my brand. My brand is Haley Williams and my brand is Paramore. Um, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm okay with that. Um, Haley Williams and Paramore have been a part of my life since I was about, I want to say 18, not 18. Wow. That was last year. Two years ago. Uh, <laughs> eight years old. Excuse me. Eight years old. When Twilight came out. Twilight had a soundtrack. Twilight was released in the United States of America on November 21st, 2008. Thank you, Google. I never said, hey, Google. Hey, Google, stop listening to me. I'm designed to wait in standby mode until I'm activated, like when you say, hey, Google. The status indicator on your device lets you know when I'm activated. When I'm in standby mode, I won't send what you're saying to Google or anyone else. Oh my god. Um, I never said that. Anyway, <laughs> Twilight was released, um, if you heard that, Twilight was released November of 2008, and Twilight had a soundtrack, and the Twilight soundtrack had this band called Paramore on it, and Paramore was my life from that day forward. Um, and you know, I've accepted that that is my whole personality. My personality trait is liking Paramore, and that's fine. I'm okay with it. But to move past that part, Haley Williams has been my inspiration for 12 years now, almost. Um, I turn 20 next month. I will be 20 years old. No longer a teenager. And Haley Williams is still the one woman I would die for! That's not true. I would die for plenty of women. The one person I see as, you know, a model of strength, of just confidence and badassery. She is absolutely unstoppable. And this song that came out proves that tenfold. For those of you who don't know, um, those of you basically who are not in the Paramore fan base at all, Haley Williams married Chad Gilbert of Newfound Glory in the year, I believe, 20, I want to say 2015. They got married. But they had been together for a very, very long time before that. Hey, Google, when did Chad and Haley Williams get married? He's thinking. Chad Gilbert and Haley Williams have been married since February 20th, 2016. 2016. February 2016 is when they got married. They got divorced not even a year later. They got divorced because Chad Gilbert cheated on Haley Williams. How do you cheat on Haley Williams and get away with it? Not only that, Chad is now marrying the woman that he cheated on Haley Williams with. It hasn't even been five years of this whole thing. Of them getting married and then divorced. And he's getting married again? He has a per- Okay, so basically he's a piece of shit. And Haley Williams- originally addressed that within After Laughter in 2017 with forgiveness, with pool, with, you know, but there were also other depression themes in that album. It's called After Laughter. After Laughter comes tears. 
So After Laughter was more of a Paramore-based type of depression. Things that Haley could not fully write about the same way that she could on her own. Paramore didn't break up. That was that was the big thing. Everybody was like, oh my god, is Paramore breaking up so Haley can go solo? No. No. Taylor helped on the song that Haley released. Hello. <laughs> anyway, um, but Paramore, the Paramore had their own issues because we, you know, they've all like, there have been splits, there have been fights, there have been, you know, truces. Um, grudges is about Zach and Haley ending their pointless, like, feud with each other and finally being friends again. Um, but. Haley had a lot of personal problems outside of Paramore that I feel as though she needed to write on her own, and I admire that. I think the song was necessary for her, and oh my god was it necessary for the world, because it's incredible. She is so badass, man. Like, she is ripping her ex-husband a new asshole with this song. Not only is it good and like, angry, and, oh my god, it's beautiful, it's so well done, it's still in such a mature way that, like, she's not attacking him, but she's letting all the anger towards him out in such a beautiful, artistic way. I love her, I would die for her, and that's that on that, basically. <laughs> um, for those of you who haven't yet, please stream Simmer by Haley Williams, I feel as though it was necessary, and if you have been cheated on, I have been cheated on. It was not as severe as this. I was never married to someone after dating them for 14 years just to have them marry someone else that they cheated on me with, but I have been cheated on before. It sucks. It's nothing you want to experience ever, and, you know, hearing that song of, like, I am powerful despite you, I am more than you, I am more than us, and I did love you, but oh my god, you did not deserve it. It's very empowering. I feel very strong listening to it, um, and I'm very excited to see where Petals for Armor goes. I want to see what more she has to say on her own. I admire it because a lot of it was like her and Taylor and her and Zach and like all three of them, and I love that because obviously Paramore is inc like incredible. They've never released a bad song in their lives, but Haley on her own I feel is a different feeling, and I need both of those feelings to be a person at this point. I feel as though necessary to address that Haley Williams' art on her own and the stuff she writes by herself and creates by herself is just as important as Paramore. And I'm really excited to see where it goes, you know what I mean? Um, because I feel as though she's very deserving of literally doing everything she wants. Because she's the CEO of a hair dye company. She's the lead singer of a crazy successful band. She has a solo career now. She is insanely talented, insanely, insanely just, and she's incredible. <laughs> Stan Haley Williams, listen to Petals for Armor, and um, that's it. That's all I have to say. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I feel as though both of these topics, though not related, um, were very relevant to at least me lately, um, and I enjoy talking about it, and I enjoy talking about myself. I haven't been by myself in a little bit. So I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. I will try to remain on a weekly schedule from now on. I really apologize for not saying anything last week. Um, you know, stuff comes up, life happens. 
I will see you guys when I see you guys. Hopefully, I'll have a camera next week when I don't look like poo-poo. Um, and, um, we'll talk then. All right. Bye.